I'm loving all the sport on at the moment. Yeah, Cricket World Cup. Are there three other cricket fans out there that can join me? Yeah, okay, there's, there's six of us, even better. Love that. My marriage not going so well at the moment, hey, because just a lot of, a lot of sport to consume. There's, uh, there's the Rugby League World Cup too, but that's really, that's really a tri-nations thing. There's really only three countries and they invite the others just to make them feel good. Um, World Cup's a bit overstated. There's the, the Women's Rugby World Cup. Is anyone watching that? Yeah, okay, yeah. Eight of you, great. Uh, and then there's the Football World Cup in a couple of weeks, which, so, you know, there's only eight weeks left until Christmas and they're all filled with sport. Um, eight weeks, does that make you excited or anxious? Excited. Good. It depends if you think of all of the things you have to do or the fact that holidays for most are coming soon. It depends. It's like, think about that anxiety, think about that excitement. Uh, I know all the teachers, they, it can't come soon enough, can it, in term four. Talk to the teacher, oh, yeah, it's the, the end is nigh, you know. Um, it's great. Thank you for all the teachers, no doubt. Been a challenging year, and we appreciate all you've poured into the children of the city. We've been doing this series about calling, and we're going to pick it back up. We had a break for a few weeks, but I want to acknowledge the awesome few weeks we've had. Like, we had a great sea gathering, a worship prayer gathering a couple of weeks ago. That was powerful. I had lots of people say, I'm glad I was there today. I needed that. And uh, last week, the college takeover, the college students did great. Uh, Some of them are here, so we can give it up for them because they did a fantastic job leading the gathering. Believing for some more great people to sign up for Curate College next year. Maybe that's you. We'd love to have you a part of that. Call to Minister. We've been doing this whole series about calling about the multi-dimensional aspect of our calling. Most common question I would say as a pastor we get asked, certainly I get asked, is how do I know like, what my calling is or what my purpose is? People wanna know. And the reality is it's not a simple answer. It's not like, oh, well, let me just give you this sentence. It's sort of like, sit down, let's talk. And, you know, we've been talking for eight weeks already about this, and we've got a few more weeks left because our callings are multidimensional. Our lives are big lives, and they involve, you know, our relationship with God, which is supposed to permeate all the normal aspects of our life. It involves our, like, calling out as the people of God out of this world to be different. It involves our calling together as His church. It involves our, you know, all of the good we do in this world just through our normal everyday being a follower of Jesus, trying to be generous and kind and enduring and loving. It's, it's all of this good that we do. It's raising our families, it's neighbouring, it's building relationships, it's certainly our work. We're going to talk about our work next week. Uh, It's all of this sort of stuff. So we've been exploring all of these things. And just as a recap, we've been on this journey. And if we could put up those circles, please, Natalie, that'd be amazing. Um, We've just sort of, I think this is a great way for like, what's my calling? Well, it's multi-layered. Firstly, it's your life under God. And we we need to recognise as Christians... When we're talking about calling, we're not just talking about purpose. We're not talking about destiny. We're not talking about what does the world or the universe want from me. We're not talking about self-actualization, trying to make my mark on the world. We're talking about, God, you created me. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You put me here on purpose. My parents might have not intended me to be here, but you did. 
And, and you, 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 you had a design, you knew me even then and you, you, you wrote every day of my life in your book, not in the sense of like he already pre-planned it, but in the sense he dreamed it. He dreamed what was possible for our lives. And so as Christians, we're not trying to find our way in the world. We're trying to listen to the Word of God and go, God, what do you want? What are you, why'd you put me here? How do you want me to live this week, today, this season of my life? And so we must recognise if we're talking about calling, there's always one who calls and he gets determined. So we want to live our life under him, under this God who loves us and, and put us here on purpose. And so we need to recognise when it comes to calling, the most important aspect is who we're becoming. It's our life. It's who we are. Most of the time we go, what's my calling? What should I do for a job? It's important to God, but it's not primary to God. In fact, you can probably do any job and still for the most part, live out your calling. You can have the wrong job your whole life and probably still live out your calling as far as God's concerned because He cares most about who you're becoming. We're primarily called to know Him and to become like Him. And we have the opportunity, no matter what our life looks like, no matter what the season is, to live that out, which I think should be good news to us. Should cause us to go, oh, I could just relax a bit now, not worrying if everything's perfect because I can actually live it out in the imperfection of things. Uh, then, then we, you know, the next most important element of our calling is the good we will do in our life, which isn't, you know, it's, it's just the good we bring about through everything that we do. For many people, it's the raising of their family, it's the being a good neighbour, it's, it's, you know, all of these just sort of everyday normal things bringing Christ to those places, just in the sort of humble, kind way that we do. And then this week, I want to get on this next one, ministry. I know ministry is like a big word, can even be a scary word to people. Like, what does that mean? Isn't that something that you do, Joel? You minister, you're a minister. Ministry just means to serve, okay? And all of us are called to serve. All of us are called to a ministry, a special way of serving. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, and my message title today, hopefully to make it stick, is called this, Kick Up Some Dust. Kick Up Some Dust. Some questions maybe people are asking is, is everyone supposed to have a ministry? Is everyone supposed to serve in church as it would? Or is that just for some people? Is ministry something that some people do and some people are called to and everybody else just receives from it? Some are givers and some are takers, if you would. What is ministry? What's included in this idea of ministry? Are some people called to minister in the church? And that's good for you, Joel, but I'm actually called to minister out there in the world. And so do we sort of divvy up and go, like, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and you know, you, you get one, two, one, two, one, two, and you, some get the world and some get the church, or is it different than that? And if I am called to ministry, how would I know what that's supposed to look like? Not, maybe not in 10 years' time, but just now. How am I supposed to know if I'm doing that in the way God wants me to be doing that? And, and I, as we answer this question, when we talk about our ministry, our service to the Lord, we have to recognise all of us sit in attention, probably between these two things. Like they're both true. One, we want to be used by God, right? Like whatever God wants, we probably want that. And I'd imagine there's a desire to like get to the end of our lives and be able to look back and go, gosh, I made an eternal impact. Isn't that awesome? 
We probably want people to get up at our, our funeral and be like, I'd never be the same if it wasn't for them. You know, like, like we want that. We desire to have a God impact. But at the same time, we're just trying to cope with life. Right, like there's, there's just normal life, there's our business, our work, and many people feel under pressure and overstretched as it is. And so here you are, Joel, talking about my calling to ministry, but I've already got enough to do with all the things. We're, so we must just recognise we're sitting this tension between these two places. The other thing I think we must point out before we go on this ministry journey is that there's two things that have happened in our culture that sort of pollute or confuse the idea of this call to ministry thing. The first one is, is this big notion of consumerism. Like, no, we don't need to get all defensive. We're all consumers, okay, to differing degrees. We, we're, it's the air we breathe. It's how we're raised. We're raised to think in this world that we're the middle, we're the centre, right? And that it should all revolve around us. It should all serve us. And consumerism isn't actually like declining. It's actually increasing in the culture. I mean, one of the big changes I know talking with people in church who are employers uh, is that, you know, if you go back 10 or 20 years and you were trying to hire somebody, somebody, when you're interviewing them, they were trying to prove how much value they could add to your company, when you interviewed them. They're trying to like vie for like, they're the best person that could contribute to this company the most. Well, the whole thing's flipped around now. When you go to a job interview, if you're the employer, the employee is wondering how you can serve them. Oh yeah, well, what, how's this gonna work for me? And that's just, I'm not saying it's neither good nor bad. It's just a reflection of how the culture's changed. And here's the thing, church is not immune to consumeristic culture. People go church shopping. You may have done it. If there's nothing, I mean, it's in the name, church shopping. Looking for church to consume. And there's nothing wrong, like people say it all the time, like, oh, I'm just trying out a few churches, the Moose City, they're trying to find something. Nothing wrong with that sense. But here's the thing. On what basis are they deciding which one they're going to choose? Is it based on that, how the church is going to serve them? Or is it based on how they, are they looking for the place they can contribute the best? Or are they looking for the place that has the most services that can add to them? Oh, I went to that one, the preaching was average, the worship was pretty good, I'll give it a rating of five, okay, that's that one. They went to the next one, oh, there was some great Holy Spirit power there, but the kids program sucked, okay, I'll give it that. But we didn't go around going, man, it seems like I could really find a place here to bring my gift, to serve the people around me. It seems like there's a need here. And so church is not immune to consumerism. The second thing, second cultural thing to be mindful of is just the professionalism. And what I mean by that is in churches, generally there's a few people who are paid and supported by the generous giving of the church. And don't they do the ministry and then we just get to enjoy it? And there can be this separation between the people who are supported by the church in the ministry and the people who contribute to that. And so it's like, well, you do it and we'll contribute the money and we'll receive from the, and so it can create like two different types of people in the church. And we need to be aware of that because that can affect our mindset about our ministry. So here's the thing though, like Christianity is fundamentally not something to consume. It's something to partake in. It's actually a journey to be a part of. It's not a product to consume. So let's go to the Scriptures, Ephesians 4, 
Uh, verse 11, this is our key scripture for today. Hopefully we'll answer the questions and figure out how to see more and more of you activated into your ministry. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. These are the gifts, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility, who's the, 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 these gifts, these offices, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. We we'll just pause there because in a different, the, the real Greek word is to do the work of the ministry. Okay, it's diokineo, the work of the ministry. And there, and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such a unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work, as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of life. God gave these gifts to the church, not so that they could minister to everybody, and everybody could come each week or each event and go home satisfied, but he gave these gifts to the church so that they could equip the whole body, that's all of us, to do the work of the ministry that is the building up of God's church. When that happens, and each part is playing its special part, the whole body gets more unified, the whole body gets more mature, the whole body gets more loving, the whole body gets healthier. There's a secret and us understanding that we each have a ministry. There's a key in it. There's something that God wants to release if we could break out of church as a product where some people contribute and other people don't. If we could get this idea that we are all, this is the priesthood of believers, that we all have a part, that God's given us each a special part to play. And if we can get it activated, we all benefit. And so we could conclude that while we're not all activated, we're all losing out. So I'm not gonna say we're a loser, church, but we're far beneath our potential, not because of the efforts of some, there's many putting so much effort in, but because of those whose special parts still lay dormant. To equip us for the work of the ministry, diokineo, that word means serving. In the etymology of the word, it means to kick up some dust. Imagine in an ancient home with a dusty floor, a busy servant, you would know if they're doing their job or not because there's a bit of dust being kicked up, right? You could see it. And in the church, it's no different. When you drive on a gravel road, there could have been nobody driving there for the last few minutes. But if somebody's driven at some point recently, you can know because there's dust in the air. I mean, they could be miles ahead. You can still see the dust in the air. You can see it collecting on your car. When people look at the church, they should look at a group of people kicking up a lot of dust in their lives. Where like, you, oh, I know somebody's been here because there's been the dust kicked up of servanthood. 
There's been the dust kicked up of people ministering to one another, of people serving one another, of people loving one another, helping one another, speaking life into one another, praying for one another. This is the ministry. And so I want us to understand just quickly from this verse, how do we get activated in it? How do we become people who are kicking up some more dust in our life? Surely every one of us could go, oh yeah, I guess I could kick up some more dust. Or maybe some of you are like, I just need to kick up some. But, uh, you know, we all could kick up a bit more. And so let's start with uh, the first key, which I think is that we need the right heart to be people who are gonna kick up some dust. It all starts at the heart. Doesn't start with signing up for a team. Doesn't start with, hey, I've got some gifts, use me. It starts with the heart. We know that Jesus said, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. We know that Proverbs says that guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. It's the place from which life flows. We know from the encounter of David and Samuel that actually God is looking at the heart. You know, actually God does look at our intentions. God does look at what we really care about. And when it comes to serving, it's not about a roster first and foremost. It's not about a lanyard. It's not about a job once a quarter or once a month or even once a week. It's a heart posture. Without the heart posture, who cares about the rest of it? I've got kids, when I try to get them to do chores and their heart doesn't wanna do chores, I promise you, it doesn't matter how much work they do, it's a drag. I would have rather just done it myself and I wonder if God feels that way sometimes with our hearts. It's like it would have been easier to just do it myself than put up with your moaning for two hours or whatever it is. And so we need to know as, as, as followers of Jesus, it's gotta start with the heart. God, give me a pure heart to want to serve people, a heart that doesn't want to consume, but a heart that trusts you that as I pour out, you're going to take care of me. A heart that understands you've already given me so much. You don't owe me anything, God. You haven't even held back your son. You don't owe me anything. So I'm just free to pour out. Have the same attitude as Jesus is what Philippians 2 Uh, verse five says, which is quite challenging because it says, although he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling on to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He gave up what the world owed him and he took the humble position of a slave. That word slave is not just servant, that is like servant for life. That's bond servant in the Greek. It's like not just ministry for a time or ministry on a roster, he's like took a blood oath to literally a blood oath to give himself forever to this, to constantly, Jesus wasn't just a servant for one time, he is forever the servant of humanity. He chose that and this is the attitude that we are supposed to mimic, that we are supposed to uh, reflect in our world. So where's your heart at? when it comes to wanting to serve the Lord and therefore serve the Lord's people. Right heart. The second thing we need is we need right relationship because it says that here there's five gifts or there's five offices, there's five roles, there's five designations that God has given the church and their job is to equip everyone else for the work of the ministry. So if we want to receive the equipping, If we wanna be people equipped to minister, we need to be in right relationship with those that God has appointed to His church to do that. 
I know that's gonna sound real rich coming from me, but let's do it anyway, because I'm the one speaking. And uh, you know, anyway, I got the mic here. Um, I understand, this is let that sit for myself. Um, I understand why people don't trust church leaders. I understand why people have different baggage, you know, things or different hurts, different unhealed wounds that cause them to come into places like this and hold everything and everyone at arm's length. I get it. There only needs to be another article in the paper, another story, another, you know, thing from the past that gets dug up to realise there's more than enough reason while that response is very natural. However, when we hold what God is trying to equip us with out there, we're never gonna receive the blessing from it that he's designed. And I wanna say to people, and I imagine it's true for many of us, while, while I understand why you're hurt and you're holding things at arm's length, why you have trust issues, could you commit with me to not arrive in 10 years' time still having the same issues? Like, while it's okay to realize you've got them now, it's not okay as a Christian. We shouldn't be content to go, I'm gonna carry this forever. God actually wants to come into that place and he wants to bring healing to that place. He wants to bring freedom to that place. He wants to bring love into that place. And he wants you to be able to live wide open in full trust with your brothers and sisters in Christ so that what God wants to have flow around the body can flow to you. If my arm loses trust in my body and starts cutting off the signals, and starts cutting off the blood flow, and so the arm is gonna die. The arm's gonna die, right? If it starts to go, I, I've got issues with the body. And many Christians die. Their faith dies because they want Jesus but not His body. But for the arm to be connected to the head, which is Christ, that needs to be connected to the body. And so we need to make a commitment. Please, my pastoral, you know, invoke to you is make a commitment to not have the same issues in a year's time. You can have new ones, but at least get healing for the ones you have today so that it can flow. Because where there is much honour, there is much flow. I mean, this works up, down, all around. It's not just about honour up, honour up. It's not that. It's like when somebody comes to give me a word of encouragement, if I don't, if I'm just like, who are you? You don't know anything about preaching. Uh, you know, it's like if I, if I have that attitude of like, you know, like I'm not seeing that that's a God mark on their life or that they have value, I'm not gonna receive the encouraging word. And what if God's trying to encourage me through that person? And so when I honour them, I see the value they have, I can receive from it. And that's true in all of our relationships, but we need the right relationships to minister because God's wanting to use the apostles, prophets, the pastors, teachers, evangelists to equip us in the work of ministry. We should be coming every Sunday. I'm ready to be equipped. Not, let's see what they got. You know, like, I'm ready to be equipped. What, what do you got for me today, God, through these people that God has appointed in this place? Pretty tough in a culture that, Values self-sufficiency. Values figuring it out on our own. The third thing we need is we need to understand the right work 
if we want to involve, be involved in the work of the ministry, what is the work of the ministry? Now, in this whole series, what I've been trying to open everyone up to is that, like, God is redeeming all things, and so it's not only church work that is God's work, okay? And, like, I've been emphasising that week in, week out, raising your family, being involved in your work. This is all God's work. But in the context of this verse, under the big banner of God redeeming all things, God's not talking about, Paul's not talking about, you know, our vocation. He'll go on to talk about our vocation. He's not talking about raising our family. He'll go on to talk about raising family. He's talking about our life together as the church under the skies of ministry, okay? As everything you do, service to God? Yes, it is, but that's not what Paul is stressing here. He's talking about the work of the ministry that's the building up of the church. That's why it says it like that. And so there is a certain type of work. And it could be summed up in three categories. What's the work of the church? Well, the purpose of the church is threefold. It's to worship the Lord, it's to equip the saints, and it's to reach the world, okay? Under God's big banner of redeeming all things, we're supposed to be people, what are we supposed to be about? Worshiping the Lord. We're firstly a priesthood. You know, we, we minister to God. We worship Him, we give Him praise. Then we equip, we build each other up in our faith that we might become strong in the Lord and we reach the world. We go out into the world, into our world, and we tell people about Jesus. We fix broken systems. We feed hungry people. We clothe cold people. We do the work of reaching the world and redeeming the world. And so we each have a part in this work, not just out there, you do have a part, but you have a part in here with your brothers and sisters. Are we getting that? Are we getting that? Everybody has a part. Some are not called here and others out there. I don't want to hear that excuse anymore. Oh no, yeah, you're called to the church, Joel. I get that. No, because I'm also called to the world. I'm called to worship, to equipping, and to the world. We don't get to go, oh no, I'm a worshiper. I don't feed hungry people. No, no, no. Like it's like, no, we're all involved in all of the work, right? That's why all the gifts there are there to equip us all so we become well-rounded in these things. The right work. The last point is this that we need to play the right part. We need to play the right part. Listen to 1 Corinthians 12. I'll pick it up in verse four. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, thankfully, but is the same God who does work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each one of us so we can help each other. Speaking to the church, the spiritual gifts are given so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the Spirit gives message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else, one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, the other, the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. He alone. And then it goes on, if we go into Romans 12 for a moment, in verse six, it says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. 
So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. And if it's giving, then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. There are multiple layers to this idea of spiritual gifts, okay? But I want you to know this. First and foremost, every follower of Jesus is given at least one superpower. Every single one of us are like the X-Men and X-Women, and we need to stop hiding, you know, and be brought out so our powers can be fully used for good and hopefully not evil. Okay, we're all supposed to, does anyone know X-Men? Anyway, uh, I don't know where that came from, but um, we're all being given at least one, and that's like our baseline. However, we can all operate in many of the gifts as we grow and learn to. So you might not have like your, you might not have been given the gift of prophecy, but it doesn't mean that you can't seek it from the Lord and the Lord can't use you to prophesy. You might not have been given the gift of healing, but it doesn't mean the gift might want to not come over your life at certain times so that you can bring healing to somebody else, okay? So there's these layers. There's the innate giving of God. There's the seeking of more from God. And then there's the fact that God can use us in any way He wants to if we're willing to be used, okay? But what I want you to know is that you have a superpower and you have a part to play therefore. And if your superpower lays dormant, it lays unused, you're robbing other people. You're robbing your brothers and sisters. You're robbing us of growing up into maturity in Christ. You're robbing us of unity. You're robbing us of becoming healthy. You're robbing us of being all that we could be as God's people if we're withholding what God put in us that was for somebody else. And many Christians sadly live their whole lives not discovering what God put in them and then certainly not taking any risks of faith to use it, to be trained in it, to be equipped in it, and to do it. And here's some of the reasons why I think people don't. One, we're just too busy. Two, we might be a bit too consumeristic. But three, often we don't understand that gifts are just something we can bring to any role. I think often people are waiting for the perfect role. It's like, oh, I've got a gift of teaching. So when you let me up here, Joel, then I'll work it. <laughs> if you're waiting on that, you may be waiting a long time because the gift doesn't equal a role. The gift is something you bring in service wherever the need. The need determines my service, not my goals, not my I don't just decide how I serve people best. God gets to decide. And so I might bring my gift of teaching alongside just one-on-one -on -one often in conversations. It's not, I'm not waiting for the stage each week to bring my gift of teaching. It's just something I bring as I come into contact with people. You don't need to wait for the official prophecy team. We don't have a prophecy team. So if you're waiting for that, you'll be waiting a long time. We do have great prayer teams, but you can bring the gift of the prophetic to your small group. You can bring it to the kids' church. You can bring it to, you know, curate cares. You can bring it to pastoral care. You can bring it to any team. The gift of the prophetic will be one of the ways God will use you in that place. It's like, I got the gift of intercession. We do have an intercession team, but you don't have to be on it if you have the gift because you could be in kids' church interceding the whole time. 
You could be in youth ministry. And just, it's, you get what I'm saying? If your gift is waiting for a role, you're gonna wait a really long time. Because there are way more gifts than there's ever gonna be official roles. And so find a need, meet a need, bring your gift to it. Just get involved somewhere. Start kicking up some dust somewhere. Stop waiting for it to be perfect and oh, oh, somebody to see everything that's on my life. Just kick up some dust and bring your superpower to that and see what God could do. You know, when you build a house, doesn't matter how good the builder is, if you don't have all of the materials, you're gonna struggle to complete the house. If the joinery never turns up, the electrician never arrives with the wiring and the lights, doesn't matter how much excess timber you have, you're not gonna finish the house. And I wonder if sometimes that's a little bit like God's church. God's trying to bake a cake, but there ain't no baking soda. Because it doesn't matter how many eggs you have. <laughs> that was unintended, but I'm glad we went there. <laughs> Try reuse that one, you know. Dad joke, okay. Um, stumbled upon it. You know, you get what I'm saying, right? They're just like the power to the, to the scriptures when it comes to church, the power is not the gifts and talents of a few. It's to everybody. It's the service of everybody. And I love that some of the most powerful ministry that is done in this church is not done by the people paid to do it. It's done by people who just understand they have a gift and they bring it. It's people like Malcolm and Tracy Robinson here. It's people like Diana Wood back there and Frank. Very different gifts, but they just serve and they kick up dust and God uses them and people's lives are impacted. And so what I, my, my challenge to us all today don't leave what God's put inside you dormant. Don't leave it, don't hide it under a rock, but just enter service somewhere. Kick up some dust somewhere and you'll start making a difference in that place and you'll start being trained in your superpowers in that place. And who knows the good that could happen if we all lived that way. Sound good? Right. I think for each one of us, no doubt the Spirit, just placing different people or different things or maybe even a ministry on our heart. Maybe for some of you, it's like, oh yeah, I, need, I know exactly where I need to be involved. I know exactly where I need to get active. If something hasn't already become clear to you, could I ask you to pray about it and go, God, where do you want me to start with this? He'll lead you, he'll give you, he'll drop something in your in your hat, in your hat, in your in your hand, where you can be like, okay, I can start with that.